Hello and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. And I'm Kristen Chase, and we are the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. On today's episode of Spawned, we are going to talk about a hot-button issue, princess culture. With the big launch of Beauty and the Beast, parents are again arguing about the merits and the cons of girls pretending to be princesses. And of course, we will end our show with our cool picks of the week. All right, so... I, you gotta lead this because I have not seen Beauty and the Beast. Yet. I can't believe you haven't seen. I can't. Believe, I saw Get Out. Instead. Okay, I can't believe that I have actually seen a movie before you. So let me just <laughs> bask in that moment for one second. Of course, it's a kids' movie, but still, I think adults will love it as well. I loved it. I love Beauty and the Beast. It it wasn't my favorite Disney movie, like the original animated feature. I know a lot of people love Belle. Like she's the bookworm. They they called her odd, which is a whole other you know discussion. But anyway. It wasn't my super favorite, but I love mm-hmm. Emma Watson. I love this cast. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to the theater. I'm going to endure a birthday party full of girls sitting in front of me. <laughs> Ugh, of course. Painful. And it's funny because, you know, I've been looking at some of the reviews and all the nerd reviews are like, why does Disney have to make live action films? This is just a marketing tool. And, you know, and all the moms are like, no, it's really good. <laughs> so- I know Mashable. I linked Mashable's review in our own review on Cool Mom Picks. And it was like, eh, it was so long. It was 45 minutes extra and there were new songs. And th- that's my millennial voice, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's true that I think the animated one came out in 91, right? So for kids that came of age with that as their childhood film, I can see where there'd be a lot of comparisons to the original. I do not have quite the same nostalgic for the first one as you do. But uh, so I'm I'm open-minded. I look forward to seeing it. So how did you feel about it as a princess movie? I didn't even really think of it at all as a princess movie. And honestly... What's interesting to me is, for whatever reason, Belle, she doesn't start as a princess. I mean, I know a lot of them don't, like Cinderella doesn't. But, you know, I think of Ariel. Mm -hmm. She's the daughter of Triton, and, like, she's already a princess. Like, I feel like it it didn't seem that way. And maybe it was Emma Watson's portrayal, Mm -hmm. you know, that changed it for me. She's just such a wonderful, powerful actress. And so that really came through in the character. She was just like a strong woman. I didn't really think well, of it. Well, she is in real life too. Yes. She's amazing. She's she really, really is. And that's what I'm saying. And, I feel yeah. like that really came through in the role. Oh, I love that. And so it didn't really bother me at all. I just didn't think of it as a princess movie. But, uh, look, everyone around me, all the parents that are in my Facebook feed and even the cynical ones, even <laughs> the cynical ones are loving it. Um, You know, so I really don't have anything bad to say about it. Well, you know, what's interesting is that we're even having this conversation because I think back to when we started the site, like about 10 years ago when our kids were younger and we were so anti-princess. In fact, our site was set up in part to provide alternatives to the stuff that was in the mainstream. And I remember even being on a message board when my daughter was first born, like this anonymous message board, Urban Baby, where everybody's like super snarky and insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was yes. good, good practice for the social media agents. <laughs> Indeed. And so I remember saying, hey, you guys, where can I find like just plain white diapers like without the princesses on it? And oh my God, did I get flamed. They were like, what's your problem? What's the difference? No one will see it. There is not. That doesn't exist. Like, that didn't really exist. And I was like, geez, I just didn't want to like have to stick my kid in princess diapers. That's the only choice there was. And so when we started the site, I remember we were like saying like, here's an astronaut 
with a, you know, an astronaut girl art for a nursery. It was such a big deal. It was such a big deal, remember? I mean, even like girls' underwear. Yes. There were only princesses. And I know a lot of our listeners are probably are in shock right now because, you know, we've seen this over 10 years. We've seen the climate of kids and baby stuff change and certainly for the better. Yeah. But when it was way back in the day, <laughs> it was mm-hmm. really hard. Yeah, it's really changed. And so, you know, one of the things that really impacted how I think about princesses, there's a phenomenal book called Cinderella Ate My Daughter by Peggy mm-hmm. Ornstein, who yes. is just an amazing writer. And it came out in 2011. And so I, I would love to see her afterward, like if it was republished today, because things have changed a lot in the last six years. But it's really about, if you're kind of nerdy like me about this stuff, it's really about the evolution of princess culture and mm-hmm. marketing it. Yes. Going back to like Shirley Temple through like the Spice Girls and what happened with like women's kind of sexual revolution and liberation in the 90s versus the 70s. And anyway, it's super interesting from that perspective. But really what it is, is a story from a feminist mom about her daughter falling in love with princesses and wanting princess tutus. And how does she deal with this? Right. Knowing it's kind of part of this big marketing machine and she doesn't like the idea of princesses. And she kind of comes to accept it. And I realized that was my path too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember writing this post on Mom 101 called Not Anti-Princess, Just Pro-Choice. <laughs> <laughs> and it was soon after I'd read the book. We had gone to Disney and I wrote about, you know, when you take your girls to Disney. She's going to be a princess. And that's that. And that the monorail captain will say, all aboard, princesses. And the waiter will be like, Anne, what would the princess like to drink? You know, that's just how it is. Yeah. And I remember thinking, Sage's favorite character is Woody. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I even wrote this story that this like nice van driver at a hotel was making conversation. And he was like, so who's your favorite princess? And I was like, well, they have lots of favorite characters. Sage, you love Peter Pan, right? Like, being a complete asshole, basically. And I'm like, why can't he ask a less gender-biased question? Why does he have to ask about, you know, princesses? Well, here's why. Because when we got out of the van, he, like, pulled open a roll of giant princess stickers to try to offer them, like, which is your favorite so I can give you one. And I felt like such a jerk. And I realized, like, why am I pushing back about this so much? It's okay for them to enjoy being a princess. It doesn't mean they don't also like baseball and they don't also like Woody and Toy Story. And it really helped me see that I was kind of imposing something on my kids that was never really there. They were never like at risk of being harmed irreparably by wanting to pretend to be a princess for a weekend at Disney. Well, I agree with you. I mean, it was never a big issue for me. Honestly, my girls, it came and went. You know, they played dress up. You know, they weren't huge Disney fans. We, we go to the movies. They enjoyed watching them. But I do believe however, that those mm-hmm. messages that the movies perpetuate, right, this the happy ending, the like being saved and all these kinds of things, they do seep in. Right. I mean, we can't ignore those messages. And so I think that is why a lot of parents do have this kind of reaction. And I think when we were parenting our girls when they were younger, there were not a lot of choices. I know. It was always split. It was boy toys and girl toys. Girls played with the pink princesses and boys played with all the cool robots and that's just how it was and Where I girls feel- wore the princess diapers and yes. boys had the robots and the cowboys so exactly. yes it was everywhere but you know like you were saying it's really changed hasn't it like even the Disney princess archetype has changed completely I mean you look at all the newer quote princesses now you've Moana oh. you have you know the newer Belle and there were you know there were things that 
starting at the time, like I think feel like Mulan was different than some of the previous yeah. princes. Oh, and look, Anna and Elsa, right? Their true loves were each other. Yes. They sang that whole song about like looking for love and it turned out it was about sisterly love. That was a big change for Disney. Yeah, and I think that honestly, the the voices of parents influenced a lot of the change. I would like to believe that. I would like to believe that with so many people talking about this and rising up and saying, hey, you know what? Why does it have to be like this? I think that was an impetus for Disney to do something about it. I mean, they're meeting the demand, right? I mean, they're trying to sell. At the end of the day, they're trying to sell stuff. Yeah. And if that's what parents are asking for, I think that's the need they're going to fill. I mean, you know what? That's funny that you bring that up because that was the most fascinating thing in Cinderella Ate My Daughter. She tells the story about the way the princess merchandising came about. Mm -hmm. It was a marketing guy who started at Disney and he went to like, you know, Disney on Ice or whatever it was, Disney Princesses on Ice, something like that. I think it was just Disney on Ice. And he realized all these girls were wearing homemade Cinderella costumes, uh. like little, you know, preschoolers that their moms had made. And he thought, oh, well, why aren't we making these to sell to them? Okay. And he created this whole princess marketing franchise that just blew up like crazy. You know, they're, they're very specific things. Like all the princesses can be on the diaper, but they don't face each other because they're in their own world. Like Tiana is not hanging out with Elsa. Mm -hmm. So it's really fascinating that they're kind of like siloed and on their own, even though they're together as a marketing tool. And so it, it's really interesting, like that they just saw an opportunity to sell people stuff, really, <laughs> based on what they were already <laughs> doing at home. And now we're all suckers. Have, we're right. all suckers. We are. Well, of course. Well, who yeah. doesn't want to like, look, it's like Star Wars, like yeah. I, Princess Leia, right? I ha Or Ray. Like, I have no problem with my kids wanting to like dress up and have that fantasy of being the heroine. And at the time, we were very limited with the heroines we had. And so they were like Ariel and you know, Belle, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And they're all, they're white princesses. I mean, now they're, they're adding some diversity. You know, you're seeing more of what we see, what our kids see, the culture represented. I mean, before it just wasn't representative. And these were things that kids were looking to as, you know, something to look up to. They were looking at these, I don't want to say role models, but you know, that that's what they were looking at. And I think now as we adapt, as we see characters that are more like the people around us. Mm -hmm. It makes a difference to me. And I think, like you said, kids have more choices. Girls have more choices now. Um, so I personally don't see it as big of an issue, but I'm curious to know about the study that you're mentioning. You, you've you yeah. found a study that someone did in 2016. That's pretty recent. Yeah, it was. It was somebody at, uh, I think, BYU. And she studied nearly 200 preschool and kindergarten-aged boys and girls, so pretty little kids, who um, were exposed to all these Disney princess movies. And it was uh, two different articles describe it, which is really helpful. Mm -hmm. And we'll link them up on Cool Mom Picks so you can take a look. One is by Rebecca Haynes. She is the author of the princess problem guiding our girls through the princess obsessed years so you can see where she comes at it and <laughs> she wrote about it in the washington post and then there was an editorial in your local paper in philly.com by anita kulik who's the president of educating communities for parents they had two different perspectives hmm. but what's interesting so this study they about the impact of princess culture they looked at these kids and here were just some of the findings they found the more girls in the study engaged with princess culture the more they behaved in stereotypically feminine ways. 
Mm-hmm. That's not now, I don't know if that's bad. I'm like, I'm like, is that bad? Like, does that mean that they are, they don't want to like climb a tree? Or does that mean that they say thank you and please? So I'm not, I'd kind of like more information on that. Because I don't know that, you know, it's bad to be feminine, mm-hmm. <laughs> per se. Right, right. Then they said that girls with a lower body image, when the study began, tended to be more interested in princess culture a year later. That's interesting. I, I'm not quite sure how to interpret that, except that if you don't feel good about yourself, that the princess culture kind of gives you an escape or a fantasy, which I don't know if that will hurt you later. How did they determine at that age what a lower body image would be, too? Like, I wonder what you ask a preschooler and a kindergartner. Yeah, know? well, in the Philly.com article, she takes it apart a little bit and mm-hmm. does say that, like, you know, four-year-olds tend not to have poor body image. <laughs> right, right, right. And then they said there was no evidence that the girls' engagement with princess culture influenced their behavior for the better. Mm. That princess's potential as a positive pro-social role model is limited. But it doesn't say that it's for the worst. And now that kind of was most interesting to me because I had the pleasure of meeting Julie Andrews a few years ago. And I asked her like, "Mm, tell me about the princess culture thing because, you know, there's a lot of pushback. And she had the most beautifully eloquent answer. Boy, did you tell me about, you know, prince. Oh, God. And so graceful and so wonderful. I could just gush about her all day. (laughs) But she she talked about like, if you think about real princesses, they like help the poor. They're involved with charity. They're kind. They're benevolent. Like they're all the things that you, you want both boys and girls to be. Mm-hmm. It's not about the tiara. And I really appreciated hearing that and started looking at it in a different way. So it's interesting when the study says there's no evidence that girls' engagement with princess culture influences the girls' behavior for the better. Because then that kind of brings me back to the first point, that they behaved in more feminine ways. So it's almost like saying that, that feminine is not necessarily better. I'm not sure. But the other thing that's really interesting, and this is maybe the best part of the whole study, Kristen, engaging with princess culture seems to have positive effects on boys. Really? Yep. Not on girls, but on boys. So if boys engage with princess culture or if girls engage with princess culture? If boys are exposed to, like, all those kinds of movies, they seem to have more positive effects in terms of, like, their behavior, their kindness, how they are towards others. Yeah. And I thought, there you go, Disney. There's your marketing opportunity. So maybe that's where, like, Beauty and the Beast can bring in boys. (laughs) That's fascinating because these are clearly marketed towards girls. Sure. So like to their moms. Yes. Like we were saying, like millennial moms who still have their own personal nostalgia for the Beauty and Beast uh, animated feature. Mm -hmm. Now, I will just say about the study, there are a lot of caveats. The study was geographically, culturally and ethnically limited, as Anita wrote in the Philly.com piece. 87 participants were white. (laughs) Oh, well, there you (laughs) go. And yeah, and 10% were Hispanic, three were other Whatever that means. Yeah. So, you know, we should take it with a grain of salt. But the whole idea of positive effects on boys, that I would love to study more. I think that's really cool. And I think like you're saying, like, now kids are growing up. Not like we did, thinking princesses were, like, docile and, you know, at the mercy of everybody else. But they know Tiana and they know Anna and Elsa. They know, like, these proactive, you know, Merida from Brave. Mm-hmm. They, they, I think they don't think of princesses in the same way we did. And I wonder that if moms were still having issues with their kids dressing up as princesses are kind of projecting their own childhood princess experience on what kids experience today, which is really very different. Yeah, today. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there's just so much more. And I think that to me is what it was all about. It was just so limited, you know, however many years ago. And now 
I feel like there's been such an emphasis. It's gone a 180. The tides have turned. And there are so many resources, books, movies, TV shows with strong girls, with powerful princesses that I feel like there are choices now. And and before it just didn't feel like that. And I think for me, at least that's probably where my discomfort was. It was like, mm. can you show us something else? You know, boys, they have all these different role models. They have scientists and doctors and firefighters. And here we are with princesses. And I think yeah. that's changed. You know, when I remember going into F.A.O. Schwartz like years ago, R.I.P. F.A.O. Schwartz, mm-hmm. um, and going in there and you walk into the girls section and it was literally like a tool and sparkle factory just mm-hmm. blew up all yeah. over the floor. Yeah. There was nothing for girls that wasn't princess costumes or princess oriented and boys had like the building stuff and the action toys and the board games and then there'd be like kind of the generic section in the back with like games or video games but for the most part they were sending girls right to this area of princess stuff and now I just I think that's really breaking up I mean now maybe it's just because I'm in Brooklyn and I have a different experience like what's your experience around Philly like do you see that happening less and less in like local toy stores and bookstores Uh, I do actually are, are you seeing more empowered princess stuff I do absolutely and and again, my girl, my youngest is six, and so she has aged out a bit of it. And 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 also, I think having two older siblings, she kind of takes their lead, right? Uh, so if like yeah. they weren't super into it, which they weren't, then she just doesn't tend to be. I mean, they still play dress up, um, but again, they're they're playing dress up not to be princesses. They're just playing, you know, they're veterinarians or they're chefs or whatever it is. But if they were princesses, you'd be fine with that, yeah? I would be perfectly fine with it. Absolutely. I think that's what I learned from. You know, as your kids get older, for parents now who have like three-year-olds and four-year-olds and you're panicked that all they like is glitter and pink and purple and butterflies, like that's that goes away. For the most part. <laughs> or it doesn't. <laughs> but it's not like the worst thing in the world. And, and you know, I, as someone who was always telling the grandparents, like, don't get us princess stuff for Christmas, please. You know, like, it didn't matter. Like, I look in my kids' costume box now, which they still have, and there's like Lord of the Rings capes and Harry Potter cloaks and princess things and, you know, butterflies fly wings and it's all okay like imaginary play is so good and healthy for kids and I think if we can kind of shift our mindset as parents to look at all experiences as being good and positive and all creative exploration being good for kids then I think we will be like less stressed out about things like this that probably don't really matter that much in the long run no it doesn't and of course you know I would be fine with my son playing with princess stuff too by the way and I think that's an interesting topic where everyone's like sure girls can play with it but then remember that little boy that dressed up I forget he dressed up as a princess or something and would like it, he that it went viral on the internet because people were oh it was him. Nerd- Apple Bottom. Yeah. She wrote a yeah, post yeah, yeah. years ago on Halloween. Her son dressed up as Daphne from Scooby Doo. Right. Right, and, right, right. You know, that was the first one that went super viral, and the internet just blew up over that. And he looked so cute. Yeah, he looked adorable. <laughs> and so, you know, on Cool Mom Picks over the years, I mean, we've always featured a lot of alternative options for parents who are looking for things who, you know, you, you like the princesses, but you want some other options or you want stronger princesses. So we have them, and we'll link all of, of the stuff that we've done. I mean, not all of it, but a lot of it up on our podcast page on Cool Mom Picks. So everything from the paper bag princess to like our editor Delilah Dawson just wrote a graphic novel series called Lady Castle. Oh yeah, like super empowered lady. We have a lot of resources for you 
if that's something that you're interested in. Yeah. I mean, I really like finding those things too. I think it serves a valuable purpose for a lot of readers that ask us for those. Like, I want princesses, but why can't they be empowered princesses? And so we have a lot of that stuff. And here's what I like best, Mm -hmm. you know, out of all this, you know, this Washington Post article about the research done last year. So Haynes, the author, she had this conclusion where she said, the importance of talking critically with kids about the media they enjoy, that actually has an impact whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was kind of the best takeaway when you think about whatever your kids are interested in. If they're interested in all superhero things, you should talk about that too. You know, about violence and good guys and bad guys. You know, there's lessons for everything. And I think if you can talk to your kids critically about princesses, about gender roles, about stereotypes, that you just raise like more educated, more critical thinking kids. And then also you don't have to fear the media so much because you're actively a part of the conversation. That's what it comes down to. You know, whatever choices your kids are making about who they're playing dress up as or, or whatever it is, have a conversation. I talk about it all the time. I mean, I talked about it with my girls about Belle. And after seeing Beauty and the Beast, I only saw it with my tween. So we, we chatted about it, too. And, you know, why she was seen as odd, because, you know, she didn't look odd. She was reading a book like that's not really odd. But back then when girls weren't getting educations and then that got us talking about how there are still girls in the world that don't get educations, that can't read books that are forbidden to. That maybe opened up a can of worms, but to me, it was a really good one. <laughs> no, that's really good. So, okay, so let's lay out like just a few conclusions from this, Great. from this research and this yeah, discussion. Absolutely. I guess I'd say one, don't panic if your kids like princesses. <laughs> <laughs> don't panic. Our girls, it's they're okay. fine. They're great. <laughs> if your kid wants to wear like a sparkly cape to preschool every day, it's fine. She will be fine. It doesn't mean she's going to like limit her options in life. Yeah. And then this is sort of funny. I I think of it like offering your kids, like trying to get them to try new foods. Like you have to give them options, right? So if they love princesses, give them other identifies to let them explore. You know, creative play is so healthy for kids. So you know what? It's great that they love princesses. Add a couple of other things in there. Maybe put like a little, some scrubs in a stethoscope or add like a fire person's outfit or a mailman or, you know, whatever. Add all those into their, their toy box so that they They have options and, you know, let them gravitate to what they want to gravitate to. And then I would say if your kids like princesses, share other books and media with them that are empowering and have messages that you feel good about. So if what you're concerned is, I don't think anybody's concerned with the idea of a princess, right? Of royalty. (laughs) But if you're concerned with the idea of a girl who's not empowering or who only wants a prince, like look for books that have messages that you like. And some of them happen to have princesses in them. Actually, one of them, which we can link on our page, it was one of my earliest picks of the week is The Princess and the Pony, which is a hilarious book about a racially ambiguous princess who really just wants a pony to ride into battle. It's hilarious. It's just like a great picture book. It's very funny. It has a completely surprising ending. And That's awesome. Loved it. That's awesome. So there's a lot of options. And then, like we said, just talk to your kids. Talk about what you're, they're watching. You know, that's why we love family screen time as opposed to solo screen time. Make whatever you're doing a family experience and talk to them about what they're seeing. Ask them questions and make them think about it. Because that changes what they're seeing from what's being fed to them to what I think, I, you know, what they're consuming. I think there's a big difference between the two. I think that's all really good advice. And I hope this is helpful. I'm hoping people aren't panicking about princesses quite 
as much as we were back in the day. I think now they're more concerned about like the bestiality and the kidnapping in Beauty and the Beast, but that's another episode. Yes, yes. So anyway, head over to Cool Mom Picks for all these links. Check out my review of Beauty and the Beast. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us, spawn at coolmompicks.com. Drop us a tweet. It's at coolmompicks. Use the hashtag spawn show and check us out on Facebook. So now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. So, Kristen, you want to go first with this one? Yes. Okay. So, I know that pretty much everyone has seen the clear knee mom jeans. I understand that, Liz. <laughs> I realize that they have seen them. I, I cannot. I swear it's been out for like a week at this point. Yes. I still can't stop laughing every time I think I know. It. I just said it and you started laughing. We happen to be the third Google search for that. So, if people are Googling <gasps> clear, knee, clear mom knee, jeans, mom jeans, I have no idea why they would be. But what a lot of people didn't know is that the funny people in the world were leaving reviews, fake reviews, <laughs> of the jeans on Nordstrom, and they are hilarious. Now, Nordstrom got wind of it. They took them all down, but we have the 10 funniest ones, at least that we think, on our site. So if you go to Cool Mom Picks, we'll link it up. You can see the funny reviews that people left of the clear knee mom jeans. And I think that some people are kind of sneaking back in. So I don't know how well that Nordstrom is keeping up <laughs> with the deleting process. It's so funny. It's so, so funny. funny. All right, but I have to say, you know, here's one by Lindsay555. A couple of years ago, when I first started momming, I bought the Clear Elbows mom shirt and was wondering when they would introduce the pants. I wait no longer, and they match perfectly. I can't wait to wear my outfit to the next PTA meeting. <laughs> you know, our own Delilah Dawson, who's uh, one of our longtime contributors, she even made a joke when we were talking about it as a team, and she was like, oh, just what I need, something that makes me have to shave my knees so that they can sweat through the plastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great pick. And yeah, funny. so it's anyway, if you need a laugh, just go read that. It's a quick read and it's fun. Interestingly, my cool pick is also a free read. All right, we'll take it. So I want to bring everyone's attention to a blog from our friend Elon Morgan. It's E L A N, elonmorgan.com. And she has been doing this five star blog roundup for as long as I can remember. I want to say like 10 years. Oh, years. Many years. Many, many years. It's so fantastic. And if you go to her site and you click on five-star roundups, what she does is once a week, she rounds up the best blog posts that she would give five stars to. And, you know, sometimes they're around a theme, but they are all from like so many diverse, interesting, cool sources. She is not a mom, by the way. It's not a mom blog, but she's friendly in social circles with a lot of moms. So some of that is in there. She's safe. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I'm just looking at the one from March 15th. And so it says three great blog posts and an Amy Krauss Rosenthal quote. And RIP Amy Krauss Rosenthal. We also wrote yeah. a um, tribute to her, one of our favorite children's authors who sadly passed away recently. Terrible. So she left a quote of hers. And then she has uh, a post from Dominique Maddie at Medium's Athena Talks about her mother um, and what it was like to realize you're like your mother or that you're not like your mother. There's a guy named Mark Manson at his own website who wrote The Meaning of Life is a Ham Sandwich, <laughs> which is a great post. Rebecca Wolf, who's our friend from Girls Gone Child, has a post called And Keep Sailing that's specific about, you know, it's just a beautiful personal post about how hard it is to leave 
her house after they were buying a new one and the memories you have associated with the house you raised your kids in. It's just good, quick, easy reads. And I really miss the personal blog posts we used to read years ago. These are the kinds of things they're not optimized for search engine maximum penetration. <laughs> they're not about <laughs> Google searches. They're not like top 10 lists. She just finds lovely posts of all different kinds from around the web, and it's easy to read. It's really great curation. Yeah, that's actually perfectly put. She is a great curator. So it's Elan, E-L-A-N, Morgan.com, and look for her five-star roundup on her blog. All right. Well, that is yet another episode of Spawn. Thank you so much for joining us. And of course, as always, a huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen, who makes it sound like we're in the same room, even though womp womp, we're not. (laughs) One of these days we will be. And you know what? We love hearing from people, right, Liz? We do. So hey, leave us a review on iTunes, which is always a great way that we love hearing from you. Yes. So you know, especially Mm -hmm. those, you know, five-star reviews. Definitely. And make sure to subscribe to Spawned in iTunes or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. We're on every week. In fact, you can do it right now this very minute while you're listening just click the subscribe button and done so easy thanks for listening to spawn this is Kristen, and this is liz have a great day bye 